0: I remember how you told me That life may not be easy And everything that I need You've already given me I remember how you told me I can trust you completely So why am I doubting when you prove that you'd fight for me?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me today on this episode 123 of Rise Up. There's about 39 more seconds of this video, but before I play the rest of this, I just want to say that the world, Mag American said something in the chat that I kind of want to... um, Kind of want to touch on just for a minute here. He said, every day is hard. Put one foot in front of another. Every day, no matter what, it's going to be hard. You're going to have your difficulties. Trials are going to come. Uh, Tribulations are going to happen. God tells us that. Not if, but when. F. Graves, I'm great. F. Graves, I am great. So here's the thing, though. There is so much... Evil in the world, and the only way to light up the darkness in this world until Jesus comes back is you. That's it. So, if the Christian doesn't exist. What other religion sends out missions? Can you answer me that question? If there is no such thing as the Christian man or the Christian woman, what other religion, faith, or organization out there, for free of charge, sends out mission workers to work and help the poor, and the weak and the forgotten and the homeless and the lost and the despaired and the depressed and the diseased. Who's going to do it? Buddhists? Muslims? Atheists? Agnostics? Nobody's going to do it. The Christian man and woman of this temporary sin-filled evil planet is the only light in the world. Without us, it is darkness 24-7. 365. And I never realized that until lately. And I said, wow. Without the Christian, the world is lost. Kitten says, I am 75 and I've seen it get worse year after year. If I didn't have Jesus, I would have no hope. So I see something that Lamb 7141 said, we all need the light. We all have the light. The rest of the world needs it. And I see so many Christian brothers and sisters just giving up. But if you give up, we extinguish lights in the world. We extinguish people that are set out to go out purposely and help other people. Again, let's break it down. You tell me, outside of the Christian man or woman, the Christian church, or organizations that were birthed out of an America that you and I still know or remember, but that was Faith based, you know what I mean? Like, like these faith based organizations that popped up, you know, like Toys for Tots and things like that. It all comes from Christianity, but let's let's break it down. Name me another group outside of the Christian man or woman or, 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 or church or an organization that came from the Christian faith that purposely prays to God and asks Him to put them in a position to be helping other people, even if it means sacrificing everything they have to do it, name me another person. Name me another organization. Name me another faith. Name me another company. It does not happen. My day is not complete unless I can sacrifice something of mine to help somebody in need, or who is weak, or who is poor, or who is forgotten. There is only one, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Messiah, the living son of God, the son of man, who had his body ripped apart so that you could be a shining light. To help these people that I'm talking about right now, you're gonna let him down. Rollaway barista just typed in John three sixteen for God so loved the world. The love that He gives you is un imaginable. And you do not know what that level of love is unless you are a Christian. You just don't. And I'm not trying to be rude to other faiths. I'm not trying to be argumentative and I'm not trying to be accusatory and I'm not trying to put our faith up on some pedestal above everybody else's because it's not a game. It's not a, it's not a competition What I am spitting and telling and and, and saying and screaming and whatever, whatever words you want to use to characterize what I'm doing is I am telling the truth. And if the truth hurts somebody, that's not my fault or my problem. Let's play the rest of this video. There's about... 45 seconds left of it from that song that we just played. Let's roll it. Struggles with exhaustion, covered by his peace. Alonzo, former drug dealer, incarcerated, changed by his mercy. James wrestled with addiction and custody battles, living in his victory. daughter born with brain disease, facing uncertainty, trusting him completely. Ladies and gentlemen, when I say no weapon formed, which is what I titled the show today, no weapon formed, I'm not just talking about in battle. I'm not talking about on a battlefield specifically. I'm talking about all of them. I'm not specifically or individually singling out a political battle that we're in. I'm talking about anything and everything. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But do you want to know how you can gain that status? Do you want to know how you can truly say no weapon formed against me shall prosper? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer first to start out this beautiful show today. And then I'm going to get right to the how. How can you become part of that status? How can you say to yourself with 100% surety, no questions asked, conviction, Mr. LaRusso. How can you say, no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper? How can you say it? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get to that, okay? Susie Q's birthday today. We'll sing happy birthday to her in just a minute. Our Father, God in heaven. In Jesus' name, we come to you, to the foot of the throne, to humble ourselves, and thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us lights that are held up brightly for the world to see. Thank you for allowing us to know the truth. You told us to follow you and you would show us great and many things of which we do not know. And Lord, I feel so privileged. And I thank you for giving me the free will and the conviction and the understanding to take in the truth, the gospel, the good news, the good word from you. Rationalize it, analyze it, and repeat it and spread the seeds of heaven to further the kingdom of heaven. Lord, without you, your sheep are lost. Without Jesus, we are lost. Without Christian... Brothers and sisters around the world, the world is even more lost, more dark. You call upon us to represent you, to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And for that, Lord, we are eternally grateful. Please continue to show us and give us the courage needed on this temporary evil fleshly earth to get through each and every trial, each and every tribulation, each and every test, each and every battle unscathed, unscarred, completely ready for the next. We thank you for this courage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Brad Burgess. Good morning, Lord Fishy. Good morning, Grammy Love. Uh, everybody, Grammy Love, Karen Ma had a foot surgery Yesterday. And she really, really needs prayers. So please keep Karen's surgery and her healing and recovery in your prayers throughout the next few days. Where there are two or more gathered, in the name of God, it's where he dwells. I want to thank the $10 donation that just came in said, and smile afterwards. Amen. John fourteen one through 3. Nudson, Nudson 68 says, read that. And donated $10. And Majorva said, for Kevin's Enviro cleanse. That's exactly right. We're raising money for Kevin's Enviro cleanse. I'd also like to announce that Nancy Hurler got her money, got her check in the mail for a new mobile wheelchair. Thank you all for allowing me to be a part of raising money, we all donate personally, professionally. Nancy, we hope that the mobile wheelchair that you end up getting changes your life for the better. Ben Burke, woman Oscar Blue, got their check from the Slurp Fund yesterday. Ben texted me last night. Let me tell you what Ben said. Ben texted me late last night. Said, thank you, brother. Check received. We love you and the LFA family. God bless. Let's sing happy birthday to Susie. How about that? And then we'll get into today's verse of the day. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Susie Q. Happy birthday to you. I've never won the lottery. I've never had a great uncle, rich, died and left me billions of dollars. Never had anybody in the world do anything for me so I could accomplish something. I never had anybody put me up on a pedestal except for all of you. When I was trying to get a message out and I got banned everywhere, nobody in the world had ever done what you guys did for me. And I didn't need to win the lottery. Because I got all the riches in heaven when I found Christ. And when I found Christ, at the same time as all of you were giving me support and then funding my life and my job to do this after they wiped me out of existence, with the help of all of you and the help of all of Jesus, I made a commitment. And that, com- that commitment will be to never, ever, ever stop fighting evil with the word of God and getting the truth about what is happening to our brothers and sisters in this country and around the world. I will never stop. That's my commitment. I will never stop. So I want to read to you the verse of the day today. a bit of a different format, wasn't it? I did not give an explanation to the verses of the day today because I wanted the words to speak for themselves. Let me read for you what I wrote. I said, good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I come to you today feeling like Paul. I'm not sure where I am going. I'm not sure that where I am going, that the powers that be will continue to let me speak freely. I'm about to go after some very powerful, very evil people, corrupted organizations. We are being invaded by evil as we speak paid for by our own government with our tax dollars so that China and other global leaders can take us down from inside the country. It's just a fact. It is happening right now as we speak. But I want you to remember a very famous saying that I was reminded of last night, and that's this. Evil triumphs when good men stand there and do nothing. Let me say that again in a very aggressive and a very militant voice. Evil only triumphs when good men and women stand there and do nothing. I will not be that man of God that stands there and does nothing. It's an oxymoron as it is. My God, whom is bigger than any of my problems or enemies, sustains and protects me, comforts and guides me, and promises me that no weapon formed against me will prosper. None. None. The devil has zero power over me. The corrupted officials don't scare me. After all, quote, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. End quote. I will stand up for the poor and the weak, I will prevent evil from hurting those with no way to protect themselves. And I will sacrifice my temporary earthly life for even one soul if it's the righteous thing to do. And I don't care if they're American or foreign. Verses of the day today are going to come from Psalm 41. Psalm 41, 1 through 13. Very long. But I want you to listen very closely. Because here's the how. Jeremy, how can I be as in a status that says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper? I'll tell you how. Are you ready for this? First of all, you must be a man of God through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a given. 41.1. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in times of trouble. The Lord will deliver him in times of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. Who? The man who helps and considers the poor and the weak and the meek and the forgotten and the oppressed. And he will be blessed on the earth. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. I said, quote, Lord, be merciful to me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me, saying, quote, When will he die and his name perish? End quote. And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. I'll bet you this is what they say about Trump. Even my own familiar friend in whom I have trusted who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Here's the but. 41, 110. Psalm 41, 110. And thank you to all the donations coming in. You guys are wonderful and I appreciate you. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me. And you, O Lord, raise me up that I may repay them. Repay whom? Those against me. Repay them with what? Righteous justice. Repay them how? If they are numbered in multitudes against me. Well, all you have to do is go to Philippians 4.13 that says, Through Christ I can do all things. Or all things can be done through Christ. Whichever version you have, and however way it spells it out, it's the same meaning. With Christ, I can do all things, or all things are possible. That's how you repay them. By this, I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. And as for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set before me your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. What is that talking about? That's talking about the person whom I refer to every day when I say, Put your shoulders out. Keep your chest out. Keep your chest out. Your shoulders back. Your head up high. Because you are a child of God and no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. It's because you care for the uncared for. It's because you care for the poor. It's because you help the needy it's because you are there for the meek it's because you turned around when the crowd was walking one way and decided to walk counterproductive at least in their minds against the crowd and decided to walk back and help those who were forgotten those are the ones that god says will have a full armor of god from head to toe those are the ones that god says that will be forever protected, on their sickbed even. Those are the ones. So how do you gain that status? You help everybody less fortunate than you. you. Guys, mind if I tell you a story? a story about a kid named Brian, a kid that I knew when I was younger. So before I met my best friend, well, I, say, I, think, I, I think I have two best friends. I had two best men at my weddings because I couldn't decide between the two. But before I met my longest friend that I've ever known, whose name is Jimmy, I knew this kid named Brian Goins. Now, Brian Goins, much like me growing up, was poor. However, God gave me a skill to have a personality and a charisma about myself that I can overcome things like being poor And kind of be the center of attention to take the kid's mind off the fact that I was a poor food stamp recipient, welfare recipient, WIC recipient, picking up cans on the side of the road, drug addict parents who never ever paid their bills kind of kid. I could make do with that because I had the ability to be able to not be the butt of the joke, but be the center of attention. So even though I was a poor nothing, nobody to the other kids and even though I was bullied and picked on for it, I could soften the blows. I could reduce the collateral damage with a gift that God gave me. And I didn't realize that, that I could do that until I was much older, but beyond the point. So there was this kid named Brian Goins. And you want to talk about poor. Poorer than me. Put it that way. Now his father was full I mean, full blooded Native American. His father grew up on a reservation. And his father was quite old, too, to be honest with you. Really weird. It's like 70 years old. but they had a way of life that they just a wanted to live and b kind of just you know victims of that life that makes you a a, a poor a family but they kind of also wanted to live removed from Modern society, we'll put it that way. So meaning that they didn't have electricity, they didn't have a bathroom, they had an outhouse, they had a battery that they had to charge if they ever wanted to listen to the radio or watch TV or anything like that. This kid was picked on beyond belief to the point where I almost want to cry about it today, remembering what this kid went through because of who he was, and what his family, how they lived. This kid used to get beat every day in school by other kids. Teachers didn't really help. Picked on wedgies, lunch taken constantly, stomped on, thrown away. I mean, this kid was kind of makes me want to look him up. Kind of makes me, me want to find him now after all these years. But anyway, I befriended the kid. Now, I had bullies, and I was picked on for being poor and everything as well. It is what it is. But I befriended this kid because I felt bad. And I knew that I would be guilty by association if I stuck up for him. Meaning that I knew that the bullying and the picking on or whatever you want to call it, the harassment, I knew that it would double on me now, even with my gift of charisma and gab. I knew it was going to happen. I did it anyway. Now, here's the weird part about it. I almost hated every bit of it. I hated going to his house. He never had anybody ever spend. By the way, I remember him saying, I never had anybody spend the night, and I never spent the night at anybody else's house because I never had a friend. (laughs) Even I had friends. Even I had had sleepovers at this point. He'd never had a friend even come over to his house. So I went over to his, I, I made, we made the decision to have me come over and spend the night at his house. I didn't know what I was getting into. So I went and spent the night at his house for the first time and saw how he lived for the first time. Now I knew that they were weird because he never, he brought his lunch to school every day, but they were poor so I was like, how does he afford to bring his lunch? We couldn't even afford to bring lunches. You know what I mean? It was because his family hunted for a living. They did not go to the grocery store. They went to farmer's tables and farmer's markets. But they hunted for their food. So this kid used to bring squirrel and rabbit and frog legs and things like that to school to eat. And the kids used to make fun of him because he was weird and ate animals and like they'd throw his food away and everything. So I went to his house and I didn't like any of it because they didn't have TV. They didn't have anything. And I'll never forget the worst part about being this kid's friend. The worst part about being this kid's friends wasn't the bullying, That I ended up getting in addition. Being this kid, the worst part about being this kid's friend was not being seen with him or trying to be his friend, even though we had nothing in common at all. The worst part about being his friend was having to live like he lived when I went and spent the night at his house. Having to experience that level of poverty. Having to listen to him tell his parents about what the kids did to him that day at school. And in the middle of the night, if they had to go to the bathroom, they did it in a five-gallon bucket in the house. Talk about disgusting. I can still smell the odor in my nostrils, And it makes me want to throw up to this day. But I was his first friend. And it also kind of made me see that I thought I had it the worst. And it was the first time that I realized... That somebody out there always has it worse. Always. So you may feel like you have nothing to offer. You may feel like I'm the one who's poor. I'm the one who needs somebody to look after me. I can promise you, you have something to offer to somebody. I can promise you that you have something to offer somebody who is worse off than even you are, whether it be financially, physically, emotionally, whatever. I remained that kid's friend until I was, Removed from my home and had to go live with my dad in Illinois. Brian Goins was his name. I'll never forget it. Now going back to my friend Jimmy. My friend Jimmy was also one of these kids that was mercilessly picked on. My friend Jimmy has cerebral palsy. He was born one pound, six ounces to crackhead parents. He was born with 10 holes in his lungs. He was born blind in his right eye. And he lived in an incubator for the first eight months of his life. He grew up with birthing, uh, uh, physical, physical um, problems to where he didn't grow the way he was supposed to. So he got picked on for that. He got picked on because he was weird. He got picked on because he was blind. He got picked on because he had cerebral palsy and walked with a limp. Still does today. I don't know what it was. But I befriended these people because they were picked on. And I didn't like that. Today, him and I have been friends for over 30 years. Very close still today. Matter of fact, his children, my children, our families are going camping at the end of this month together. Ten holes in his lungs. One pound, six ounces. Spent the first basically year of his life in an incubator. Cerebral palsy. Everything under the sun that could hold this man back. And do you want to know something that still strikes me odd today? How somebody has this much courage? How somebody has this much determination? How some people say life is not going to beat me today. Do you know that he's entitled to live on disability? He's entitled to have a handicap placard in his car so he doesn't have to walk very far. And he won't do it. You won't do it. I said, why don't you do that? Why do you hurt yourself when we go places by parking a mile away if we go to like a NASCAR race or something? Why do you do that? His answer has always been the same for 30 years. Because I am not going to let my problems... Beat me. And I am not going to rely on the system or being lazy or being even coddled to, even though he has a right to because he can't walk that well. He has this, I don't even know where it comes from. He's not even really a man of God. So I don't know where it comes from, but he's got this determination. To say, as long as I'm alive, I can do what everybody else can do. And I'm working on him. I'm working on him to bring him home to heaven. All I'm saying is this. Be there for the people who need people to be there for them. There are millions of people out there, probably a lot of people you know, that have it worse than you, that need you today. Now, you don't do it so that God will protect you and have no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. You do it because you care for something or you care for somebody. But by default, God protects you. It's a win-win-win. Everybody wins. God wins because he's happy. You win because you're helping somebody and it makes you feel good. And they win because they have somebody who cares for them. And the world does not no longer, the world doesn't feel like it's dropping on their head every day. Today, this was my message for you today. I want you to see something that I just opened up to. This is one year in the Gospels with Jesus, one year with Jesus in the Gospels, Today is June 6th. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. I think you can. June 6th. See what it says up there? It says, Angelic protection. I had no idea this book was going to say this today. Angelic protection. Let's read from Matthew 18.10 real quick. And it says this, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. We have angels assigned to us, and it says that in Hebrews 1 14. it further reveals their purpose is to minister to us on our behalf. You always heard your grandma and grandpa or, or your parents say that you have, that, that, that everybody has a uh, um, what's that called Eli? Guardian angel, right? I always thought that was just like, you know, hyperbole or something, but turns out it's in the Bible and it tells you that. In the Old Testament, Psalm 91 teaches on the ministry of angels to God's people. Now, some have realized this truth and have taken it even further to say that we are supposed to speak to our angels and they will obey our commands. There's no instruction in Scripture to do this, nor is there any example of it ever being done. Many of the angels' protective duties described in Psalm 91 are preventative. Preventative. Proactive rather than reactive. See what I'm saying? And we certainly could not effectively command these activities. Rather, these angels are dispatched Exactly as this verse describes, by looking at the Father's face, God Almighty controls them for us. And God knows your heart, right? So you don't have to say anything. However, we do have a part to play, because in Psalm 91, it is those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High that are able to benefit from angelic activity. Verse 2 further instructs us to say that the Lord is our refuge and fortress and that we trust in Him. So if we trust in God, then God will direct the angels to do His will, not us. We don't have to do that. We're not generals. It is the combination of our faith in God and His faithfulness to us that releases the angels on our behalf. No weapon formed, folks. If it was solely up to God, his provisions would be the same for everyone because of his mercy and his grace. However, we have to receive God's grace by faith. As you seek the Lord, become aware of his ministering spirits that were created to minister to you. Speak forth your faith in this area and he will send forth his angels on your behalf. Cast cut 716. I just noticed something that they put in the chat. They said, God's calling for me since I was a little boy was to be the protector of the weak. I never understood it until I got older. I tell you, there's something honorable, isn't there, about protecting people. That's what we men are supposed to do. We're supposed to protect our families, protect our wives, protect our, you know, children. We're inherently protectors. We allow too much. We allow too much evil in this world as men. Remember what I said in the beginning of the show, evil only triumphs when good men stand around and do nothing. I think there's a lot of good men standing around and doing nothing. I would argue that they're not that good then. I would also argue that there are none good but God. But you know what I'm saying. I think there's too many people standing around and not too many people speaking up, especially for those who need them to speak up for them. Twanity just donated $100 and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. And thank you. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, please rumble this video. If you've not liked the video yet, please like the video while I talk about our sponsor of today's show, and that is Trumpet Daily. Trumpet Daily or or thetrumpet.com. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Stephen Flurry, these guys have become good friends of mine. Now, ever since they started a show here on the network on Saturdays at 10 a.m., giving you the give, giving you the news from a Bible-based point of view, like I do, completely with their finger on the pulse of America. It's not only watching them here on LFA TV that I'm asking you to do, but I'm asking you to go to their site and become a part of their daily scripture, their daily news. And not only that, ladies and gentlemen, you get their publications in the mail. You get books in the mail, all free, all just by signing up. For the Trumpet.com or TrumpetDaily.com. Very, 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 very powerful message when it comes to combating the evil in the corrupted elected seats that run our world, that run our lives, that make our laws, that tell us what we can and can't do. Trumpet Daily is going after them all the time like we do. With a very different delivery. So not only am I asking you to watch their show on Saturdays here on LFA TV at 10 a.m., but sign up for their publication. Sign up for their email list. Sign up for their newsletter. Subscribe and follow Trumpet Daily today. Because the more we're in this together, the better we are. 1,400 people watching. Isn't that incredible? 1,400 people watching. Critib 54 says, shout out to Trumpet daily. We receive it, pass it to a friend, and now he's subscribed. That's what it's all about, folks. And they give us a substantial sponsorship, too, that we just pass right along. It's just we're the middleman, and we pass that money right along. And guess where it goes to? To a Christian school that is bringing in brand-new Christian minds to mold in a Christian way, to have a Christian outlook on the world. Many hands work light work, and together, We can change and save the world folks We really can Sam and Linda Magaya brought something to my attention The other day that I have to talk about Sam and Linda Magaya gave me this book And as you all know My great story about how uh, myself and Dave Bray Thought that they were assassins coming to kill us When we first met them Long story Maybe I'll tell it again someday but I love them with all my heart, just like I love each and every one of you. Now, she sent me this book that I'm going to read from here in a minute, but I have to tell you what she texted me the other day. She said, are we sure we, were, we still want to support Dallas Jenkins and The Chosen? I said, what are you talking about? Of course we do. She says, you know, they have LGBT pride stuff all over their sets. I said, What? She sent me the pictures, the videos. I did, I did some, dig deep, some deep digging. And a lot of the people, directors, executive producers, wardrobe people, they're all LGBTQ people. And they're wearing LGBTQ shirts and LGBTQ flags sit on their cameras and in their chairs. I was very disappointed. And and Linda had said to me, are you sure we want to continue to support this? And at first I said, nope, done with the chosen. But then God said something to me. God said something to me that put some things in a perspective for me. they're in the best place they could be. Those people that are working on making the production, whom, by the way, is overseen by Dallas Jenkins, he's not letting LGBTQ messaging come through. The message is still the same. I'll give him that. But aren't those people right where they need to be? Let me ask you this question. Do you think that there's a liar working on that set? Think there's somebody on that set? Some, wor- some workers, some producers, some executive producers, some assistant people. You think there's people that have lied? And I read the statement about this. I did read the statement about it, Suzanne. I did. I did. And I actually didn't mind the statement. I thought it was quite, so- quite something. This is my statement about it, though. This is my way of thinking. Think there's anybody on that set who's ever told a lie? Think there's anybody on that set who's ever lusted? I'd imagine some of the actors probably even have. Think there's anybody on that set that's ever stolen? Think there's anybody on that set that's ever used the Lord's name in vain? Think there's anybody on that set that sins every day? Think there is. Matter of fact, I know there is because none of them are Jesus. Would Jesus have kicked them off the set? Would Jesus have taken away from the message because there were sinners among them. You think the Holy Spirit has ever worked through some of them like it is while they're working on the chosen? Maybe God has them right where he wants them. I think we need to think like that. Now, if the messaging starts getting screwed up and there's obvious messaging coming through, the final product and the messaging is wrong, I think we'll notice it right away, won't we? Sometimes I think we get things twisted in this world. Sometimes I think the devil plays with our minds. Sometimes I think he wants us to shut the door in people's faces that Jesus would never shut the door in their face, no matter what. I know I can't do that yet. If we chase these people away who are sinners, which we all are, they will never, ever know the goodness of God. They will never know the grace and the mercy of God. They will never know the peace and salvation and joy that God brings. They will never put their sin into perspective. And I saw a lot of Christians rising up and saying, fire them, get rid of them. What do you think that's going to do for their outlook on Jesus? So I say this. And I always go back to this. If I don't have the correct answer that satisfies anyone out there, I always go back to this. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And that's what I want to do. Whatever Jesus would do, that's what I want to do. Look, folks, we don't have enough time to read from another book, but I just I want to say this. Today was one of my favorite shows we've ever done. Maybe today wasn't deep. Maybe today wasn't full of tears. Maybe today wasn't full of big revelations. Maybe it was. I don't know. But I felt at peace, and I felt joy in my heart today during this episode, episode 123. So I hope today's show was good for you. I hope it was as riveting for you as it felt coming from the Holy Spirit here. I want to thank you. So is this double standard? Go after the woke companies and not this? Just asking. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Because the woke companies are specifically trying to push a devilish and evil message and harming people's lives who do not embrace it where this is just something that was not being pushed that somebody noticed on the set and took pictures of. I think there's a very big difference there. And I think the word is intent. I think the word is intent. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here today. We've got Sean Ferris coming up in just a second, but I want to take you out the same way I brought you in. And that's with some beautiful, beautiful music uh, called fires by jordan saint Cyr. we started the show off with that god bless you thank you for being here thank you thank you thank you for giving me support love grace time and trust i'll see you guys at 11 but coming up next sean farish i love you guys god bless you have a great morning and i'll see you in a little bit
0: by your mercy